Hello and welcome to Forefront 360, where we have conversations at the intersection of the arts and Christian faith. My name is Heather Morgino, and today we have the honor of talking to Caroline Jensen, a kindred spirit, friend, and talented photographer and teacher. Hi, Caroline. Hi. <laughs> Thank you, Heather. I'm so honored and blessed to be here. This is this is a subject I'm super passionate about, and I just I just feel really blessed that you asked me to to join you today. And I'm so happy that you're my first interview. Caroline is a photographic artist living on the prairie of southern Minnesota. She is also a Sony artisan of imagery, a passionate educator and writer and has been featured in numerous publications, including Bella Grace Magazine, Click Magazine, Huffington Post, Sony Alpha Universe, and many more. She is the founder of the Creative Photography Network, a cozy place that was built to engage and encourage other like-minded artists who share a passion for plants, photography, and creative editing which I love that network, by the way. I wish I could spend more time on it lately. <laughs> Life is busy, for sure. It's so busy, yes. I discovered Caroline in 2018 after seeing her listed as a Sony Alpha female. I immediately felt like we were kindred spirits in our photography, and not only that, but we both homeschooled our children and even used the same educational approach, classical method. At that time, I really wanted to grow in my artistic expression, so long story short, I reached out and asked Caroline about mentoring. You were actually in India at that time. (laughs) And then I went on to take several of her workshops, which were amazing, and have added so much to my growth and voice as a photographer. So to start this episode, Forefront has a tradition of doing a lightning round which I did horrible at, by the way. (laughs) I can never pick favorite anything. (laughs) So I'm going to ask you some lighthearted questions, and you respond with the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Can do. All right. If you could go anywhere, where would you go? England on a garden tour. Oh, yes. I have the David Austin catalog right over here. Yeah, I, I I very much want to see all of the gardens in bloom. They're just they have, the culture of gardening is so much different over there than it is over here, and that's very specifically <laughs> what I want to do like today. I love that. Oh, I'll go with you. Let's go together. <laughs> uh, coffee or tea? Both. I hate to say mm-hmm. it, but I, I I'm I'm a caffe- You know, I do a lot of herbal tea and then coffee in the morning. So herbal tea yeah. in the evening. Coffee in the morning. <laughs> yep. I'm a coffee person, but I love my tea too. Well, I, I lived with some people who were Norwegian and they had coffee 24 7, like coffee at five in the morning, coffee at nine at night, coffee at 10 at night. And I, I realized that I needed to drink less coffee so I could sleep. I was a, a they, they were who I room and boarded with in college. And yes, oh, lots great. and lots of coffee. So I, I learned that. Herbal tea in the evening is a good substitute if you want to sleep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I used to drink it all through the day, too. But um, after my thyroid stuff went haywire, I couldn't drink it at night. I can only have two cups a day. Otherwise, I am a jitterbox. Okay, who's your favorite author? That's actually kind of hard. I mean, I would would Mm -hmm. say that... uh, 
if going back to my childhood, uh, Lucy Maud Lovelace, and um, which is from the Betsy Tasty series, which is very uh, near home. It's it's where my pa- my mom grew up. My dad lived there. It's family still lives there, but it's based on that area, Mankato, Minnesota. So um, that Aww. is probably my favorite of all time. But I also like Lucy Maud Montgomery. Um, you know, Anna Green Gables, uh, of course. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not really much of a fiction reader. I use, I like stories that are based in real locations and kind of nodding to, um, historical things like the Little House on the Prairie series. Can you tell I've homeschooled a lot? (laughs) Yeah. As an adult, I read more nonfiction and, you know, Bible study and stuff like that. So because time is limited, I usually don't read a lot of fiction as, as an adult now, but I, you know, once in a while (laughs) I do. That makes sense. Okay. Dogs or cats? Cats. Which is weird. It's really both, but I, I, I love dogs. I get too emotionally invested in dogs. Oh, I'm emotionally invested yeah. in cats too, but like I lost my bell last year and I just cannot, I, I haven't got my brain around being able to get another dog. It was just so hard. And I don't know, maybe it's because I have cats around. So I have pets that are constantly cuddled up to me, but it's just the idea of going through that emotional turmoil. Like, and I know you understand that. I do. It's just, it's like, oh I'm like praying I'm like Jesus if pets are in heaven can this one go to my mom for a while you know (laughs) I don't know how that all works but I'm you know it just it's just really like you lose it's like it's like losing a a real friend so yes so I'm I'm both I'm a massive animal lover yeah oh yeah I kind of figured that would be your answer (laughs) yeah your favorite color green Garden fairies or gnomes? <laughs> That's a good one. I think fairies. <laughs> we have a little fairy garden for my granddaughter. Um, let's see, poems or novels? Poems. I like I like something short and sweet that I can put on a picture. Yeah, they do. They're so inspiring. Morning person or night owl? Night owl, much to my dismay. I want to be a morning person. I really, really, really do. <laughs> Unfortunately, I am hardwired to want to do the most effective work past midnight. So that's it's something I need to work on. I, I, I'm, I'm a strategic on purpose morning person, but not by choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's never by choice for me either. I've always been a night owl. So for our first question, um, thank you for the lightning round questions. Those were awesome. I mentioned earlier that we both homeschooled our children and use the same method. Would you like to explain that method a little bit and how you have continued to use some of that approach in your photography and in teaching your workshops? Absolutely. So when I embarked on homeschooling my kids, it was pretty haphazard. We were moving for the military a lot, and I started to voraciously read. And I read a lot of great books on homeschooling, and um, you know, I, I kind of veered in on a more historic, classical method. And uh, specifically, Charlotte Mason is is a big fan. I'm a huge fan of Charlotte Mason from the early mid to ni- mid nineteenth century to the early twentieth century. And I read her volumes. She has thousands of pages of writing on education no it's 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 not it's not easy reading but it's it's really insightful and I I really 
just connected with the way that she understood children. She took things that kids did naturally that we tend to move away from because of life. Like we, we, we veer away from our natural inclinations of being curious and and I, I, I just was fascinated with the way that she saw children as people and not just, you know, numbers. And she really catered to the way that they learn. And, and adults learn that way, too. So as my children were learning with this method, we would study art every week and we would study literature and we would, you know, learn things in very small chunks, which is a, a, a big part of what she does is narration. You know, you read a page and then have the kids tell back what they heard or study a painting for five minutes and then tell what they saw. And that was how I learned photography. You know, I, I saw these amazing paintings that we were studying that I hadn't studied before. I I, I liked art my entire life, but I, I wasn't strategic about it. You know, I wasn't very, you know, we're going to study this artist and then this artist. Well, we did that for school and I was like, wow, I, this is really, this, this painting is so emotional to me. How can I create something like this? Well, I'm not a painter, didn't have the money or the resources to do painting. So I thought I'd love to learn photography and somehow channel this feeling that I get from art into another art form. And so I was actually using my husband, or it was our family's little point and shoot camera. It was like a Canon Elf one megapixel or 1.2 <laughs> megapixel. And I'm trying to figure out, I'm like, so the, none of the pictures are looking like the paintings, of course. And so I'm learning manual photography on a Canon <laughs> Elf with 1.2 megapixels. It was. And so eventually my husband sold a motorcycle <laughs> I could get a camera and then I started to like like reverse engineer the paintings so the light's coming from a window how can I make you know something similar look like that and and so I was learning specific skills like how to create this kind of light with with the camera uh so that's how it all tied in. I was simultaneously learning photography while my kids were learning with this method and and yeah it was just a really natural fit and it, it carried forward because it I, I realized that this whole idea of the method was nothing that existed in the photography community at all. And so I wrote a, photo a photography workshop called The Art of Observation based on her her methods. And I and I and, you know, sometimes people are familiar with it. Sometimes they're not. But it it helps kind of rekindle that childhood ability of observing and, and really taking stuff in uh, in a long-term way um, you really put stuff into that. your long-term memory yeah I, I love that and that's one of the things I loved about Charlotte Mason too I started off with Charlotte Mason when Licia was little and um, I just loved how it was go out and study nature and the that that is really how we learn best is by observing yeah I love that you did that with your photography early on that's awesome it's weird because I do you just you just made Heather you made me have a realization just right now <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, so my more recent work that I've been doing like today uh, is, you know, photographing things out in the garden. And I really, it's almost like the nature study we did with the kids, yes. except instead of drawing it and sketching it, I'm using my camera and it's really this exaggerated over the top version of nature study, you know, dragging the strobe out into the garden, you know, and, and triggers and all of that. But it's, it's really, that's the heart of it. I just had a realization that it's like yeah. adult nature study 
uh, I've always been interested in, in maybe not that the flowers that are the ones that everybody wants, although I love those too, but the weeds and the, the more unusual seed heads and things like that, I just, I didn't even connect the two, but I was thinking I was sort of off in left field that my voice had kind of traveled into this new arena, but nope. (laughs) It's just another facet of Charlotte Mason. (laughs) Yeah, because I think the things that are different or unusual are the things that spark curiosity and wonder. Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot too, the the nature study. And I've been actually thinking about doing a journal with my photographs because I love studying how everything changes. So yeah, we're both, we're definitely on the same wavelength. My husband's forever bringing up pictures on his phone and of snapshots of things I did in past years. He's like, that was really pretty. Well, how come he didn't do that again? I'm like, the stars aligned and zinnias didn't get moldy and it, you know, it looked really great. And next year, not so much. I don't know. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, which artists have been the most influential or inspiring to you? So I was going to ask, was it like painters or photographers or does it matter? It doesn't matter. I mean, I know you do a lot of art study, so I figured that you'd probably have a lot of art to draw from. So you get to choose. Okay. Well, I'm going to wreck this question because really it's kind of whatever I'm studying at the moment. I hate to say it. There, there are some that I go back to. I'm really drawn to the Impressionists. So a lot of different Impressionists, but like Monet's garden pictures. and it. But at the same time, I love the realism of some painters as well so it's it's whatever I'm happen to be studying but if I had to like at least narrow it down to a time period or genre it would be the impressionist which is ironic because I I don't do a lot of super impressionistic type work but it feeds me emotionally and I enjoy studying it it's always fascinating in a, in a museum to like get really close and see what a mess of stroke something is and then step back and see how beautiful it is it's like I can't imagine being at a foot and a half distance painting and then still understanding that when you step back 10 feet it's gonna look so it just it just it blows my mind I know that's I love going to the museums and seeing the texture and the strokes and it's like oh so so inspiring yeah and that's what I miss with photography so that's that's why I'm into painterly kind of editing as well it sort of scratches that itch for yes yeah you when you want the texture and you just can't get it yep how long have you been doing photography I mean you touched on it a little bit yeah, it was 2007 when I was really trying to get that little point-and-shoot camera to do something, anything. Uh, <laughs> I, I learned photography in that that gap between you know film being the only thing and digital being good. There was such a, a a window of craziness between 2002 and like 2008 when things were just starting to kind of come into their own and. My pictures were terrible. I mean, prior to that, with the kids, when they were little, all of our pictures are more or less those throwaway film cameras, <laughs> you know, that you, <laughs> um, yeah, and, and red eye and all. So, oh, yeah. yeah, so 2007, I really had an interest, although it goes way back to high school. I just couldn't afford to do photography in high school. I was in high school in the 90s, and it was just film and and it wasn't something that I could afford we had to have like 200 rolls of film in advance and and you know the waste it was hard so yeah it was really expensive film was was hard and especially um, expensive to make mistakes right yeah it was 
definitely not the same animal as it is today. How have your photography and your goals or reasons for creating your art changed over the years? They, they, they haven't really changed a lot. It's really just this, this personal need for creativity. You know, I, I, I do it and I'm very poor when it comes to like the money making aspect of managing that. I need a manager, you know, <laughs> show up here and do this because I really do seek out photography as this outlet for being creative. Um, and that won't change whether I'm doing business A or business B or stock photography or whatever it happens to be. Um, that doesn't change. My, my reason is it rounds me out lets me be creative and helps me be a better observe more observant and and better person I think overall I hope yeah I love that yeah I think you do find out a lot about yourself doing photography especially when you take Caroline's visual voice class thank you that's one of my visual voice is a huge passion of mine and that's where I get to to pour into other people because I love to pick people's brains apart you know and I, I don't like to see unhappy photographers so if I can see somebody and and mentor them into a zone where I just feel like they're gonna just flourish that's very rewarding you know to see to see a smile on a photographer's face where they're they confidently say nope I'm not doing that because that's not me I love that. That's a great class. Anybody who's watching as a photographer should take it. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so what is your, what's your process? Like, what's your favorite gear? Or I know it's changed a little bit, right? Um, because I think you've changed your process a bit. So you can talk about any of it that you can talk about that, um, the changing of it or whatever, whatever you want to talk about in that regard. So my process with photography has definitely changed a lot over the years, but it's it's very normal for me. I'm an eclectic person. I'm constantly changing and growing. I don't want to do the same thing forever. But there's there's still things, and that's where voice comes in. You'll find little hallmarks that that stay throughout time. However, the way that it's expressed may be completely different. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I love dramatic light. That's never changed. I love nature. That's never changed. Uh, so yeah, the progression has definitely been through colorful phase, black and white phase, super detailed phase, super shallow depth of field phase, lots of lots of depth of field phase. I mean, it's just it's it's there's a lot of different variables, but in the end, it's me exploring God's creation. Definitely. So now lately, you've been using a lot of studio lighting right in the garden, right, right in the field. Yeah, it wasn't in my wheelhouse before because being light and efficient was my priority. You know, I wanted to have very small camera, very small lens, throw it in my bag, be ready all the time. And over time, and I think it's that nature study thing that kind of clicked in my brain, I wanted to not just see half the bug. I wanted to see all of the, the bug. I wanted to see all of the petals. I wanted to see everything. That and that's a new, new thing for me. I was a big, very shallow depth of field person for a really long time. And it wasn't until I started to use strobes more inside during the winter months, just as a something to do, <laughs> uh, that I started to understand that I actually really appreciated a deeper depth of field if I could manage the background. And yeah. so pulling the strobe out into the garden, I, you know, meter or whatever, I don't, I, I chimp or <laughs> I shoot until it works where the flower yeah. is, is illuminated and then the background falls into darkness. And that, that makes 
whether I'm doing it in the studio in my little back porch studio or whether I'm doing it outside, everything looks consistent. So it's kind of fun. I've noticed that slow progression in your photos and I'm like, oh, that's so focused and oh, it's so crisp. I love it. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's completely different than what I have done in the past. But, you know, I'm I'm 47, 8. How am I? How am I? 47? <laughs> Yeah, 47, eight. I don't know. I'll have to do the math. Anyway, um, <laughs> I have a birthday. Close enough. Um, and I never write my age down hardly. Um, so it's just, you just change over time. You know, you just, I you just feel like I have to grow and do different things. Yeah. And I feel like, you, I, I don't know, for me at least, I get bored. I think that's artistry. Like you, it is something that, probably should be changing a bit right and you should be growing and and wanting to explore new things it is and and it's giving yourself space to do that I think a lot of people feel like especially if you hit your stride doing one thing and then you're scared to change that ever because you know but we're people and I always go back to Picasso who I'm not a huge fan of his work but he definitely had these very distinct periods in his life his blue period red period Rose period, um, photorealistic kind of, you know, realis- realism period, and then the super surreal at the end. So, you know, we, we, we're allowed to, to do that. And I'd feel sad for somebody if they felt like, compelled to stay in the, same, in the same zone till they died because they didn't want to rock the boat. Right, because there is that um, perceived pressure maybe from your audience in a sense or the people that are that like what you do you can get a little bit in your head about changing I think sometimes too like oh nobody's gonna like this I can't do this <laughs> social media specifically just drives that in, in an incredibly sometimes terrible way you know I mean I, for instance the Instagram algorithm really likes you to be super consistent and right to the point where it feels super monotonous at times. And that, you know, whether you're going to bow to that algorithm or not is a personal question that you have to kind of balance with. That's a whole, that's a huge bucket. <laughs> it is, but it is part of the artist's um, dilemma these days, for sure, because if you want to make money, you need to be consistent and you need to make sure you're showing up in people's feeds. So there is that, there is that pressure. It's probably always been there in different ways, but now it's like so much more, so many more people, so much more pressure. Yeah. Where are the people going to see my work? You know, Facebook Mm -hmm. used to be the thing and now Instagram is more the thing, but who knows? I hear more and more people are going to Twitter I don't know. I mean, I don't yeah, like any yeah. of them at all. Like, I I'm, I would be a complete Luddite and not have a computer, probably, <laughs> if it wasn't for photography and needing to use one to edit. You know, I, it's, it's, it's like this prison of the mind sometimes. I mean, it can be good, but mm. keeping it in balance. And that's part of what your initial question was, you know, why do I do this and and probably the social media and me crying out to God and saying, how am I supposed to navigate this? Uh, Because, you know, they always say, you know, pride comes before the fall and chasing likes is just, it can, it can be this very mental 
thing. You know, we fall prey to the same things everybody else does. You know, the the imposter syndrome, so-and-so is better than me or so-and-so does, you know, has more likes than I do or they, you know, it, it just, it can be such a minefield. So mm-hmm. staying connected to God and learning that it's, you know, Instagram is really tiny in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, amen. That's so true. <laughs> and you've got to do what feels right for you in the moment. It's a great tool and it, it's a blessing in certain ways, but it can be a curse if, if you're succumbing to the pressure of it. And I don't want to diss it completely because I met some amazing people on Instagram sure. that I wouldn't have met otherwise, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's just keeping it in balance with the rest of everything. So we both like to create beautiful artistic images. And this is a question I ask myself a lot um, since I've been doing photography because I do like beauty more so than documentary type photography. Um, Why should beauty matter to the Christian? Why isn't beauty just vain or is it vanity? Why is it important to the Christian? I think it's really, really important. God put us in a beautiful world. You know, he, he, if we can go pre-sin, you know, I'm sure it was breathtakingly, amazingly, you know, inconceivably beautiful. And so he put a love of beauty in us and how we express that and how we interact with that is something that we always have to keep in check. Again, that, that pride monster can come into, um, also the feelings of depression and defeat. If you're not measuring up in your mind, I mean, the, the enemy can come at us in a lot of ways, attacking our appreciation of beauty. You know, he, he kind of messes with any, you know, he, he takes something that's pure and beautiful and he turns it into disgusting. You know, he, that's what he does. Um, so I think it's, it's, I sometimes feel like making beautiful things is a form of worship. And some of my favorite painters, in fact, I can't remember her name. I can't remember her. I follow her on Instagram. Um, but she she paints as a part of worship. You know, she's listening to worship music. She's singing and she's painting with both hands at the oh, same time. Yeah. And she does these marvelous works of art of, you know, Jesus and lambs and, you know, scenarios from the Bible and, and mm-hmm. just beautiful, beautiful stuff. And I feel like that spirit of energy, you know, what we put into it, is it, are we doing this with a, with a, a worshipful attitude or are we doing this with a prideful, you know, look at me attitude. And I think that's where, you know, we have to check our spirits and be like, you know, what's, what's the source of this right now? Um, but I think we were intended to worship God through the appreciation of the gifts that he gave us and he gave us beauty. And that's, I think that's why I like macro so much because there's so much that we don't see that we can appreciate as photographers. You get in there with a lens in the grass and you're like, oh, wow, you know, look at this. And we would have just walked right by it. So I feel like that in itself is, the the glory of God is not lacking when you have a camera stuck in some tiny bush or (laughs) grass, you know? And so it really opens up our door, uh, the door of our mind to, to appreciate things that we wouldn't otherwise. Yeah, so true. I love that. Next deep one. (laughs) I sometimes struggle to navigate that line of making art for myself and making art as a gift to others. We hear many artists say that you have to create for yourself first. Do you think that's true? That was a hard question. You know, I think 
we, because we're giving some of the real estate of the, the limited time that we have to creating art, it does have to be a little bit for ourselves. And, and, but I think it's the process that's, that's for me, the process of shooting, the process of being in nature, the process of, you know, mentally thinking about how I can show something to its best, you know, side or whatever flower, we know it, you name it. Um, but at the same time, the content driven life where I got to make a picture for next week, or even if you have deadlines, you know, if you're, if you're working for an agency or if you're working for other people producing images and there's deadlines, you know, then it becomes very, I don't know, outside of yourself. And, you know, then you're people pleasing in a lot of ways, which is necessary in some areas. So I, if I'm, if I'm making, you know, photographs as gifts, that's a completely different thing. I can enjoy the moment and, you know, cater to somebody else's desires as well. Um, I, I guess I wanted to clarify, were you talking about making like gifts for other people or for like just consumption by other people? No, I guess, I guess I was thinking um, more just about thinking of our photography as other people consuming it as a gift to them in a sense. You know, also, I, I do like to create, you know, gifts out of my photography, but I think it was more that bigger question. Um, yeah, I th- feel like it's hard to balance, you know, your own voice versus creating art that pleases other people too. It is really easy to get caught in the trap of trend chasing and not necessarily trend chasing in this, in the terms of like, you know, teeny boppers or, you know, (laughs) influencers or something like that. I'm talking more about, you know, what are people going to buy? And I think Mm -hmm. if you're selling your work, then, you know, what do people want to put it? And you have to find that balance still. And, you know, people will say, oh, well, if you make the art that's from your heart, the the people will come. And that's kind of true and kind of not. Uh, you know, there's right. lightning can strike. But, you know, it, it, so it, there is a balance. But I, you know, for instance, when I was a, I go back to voice subjects and, and voice study. And like when in high school, I think I had uh, Victoria Magazine pictures all over my walls. I loved that magazine. I had I had tea sets and and flowy dresses and you know flowers all over my wall. Like a wall just huge floor to ceiling pictures from the magazine and because I loved it. And I think that when I make art, I'm I'm hoping to create things that I love as much as I loved that the things on my wall so that hopefully other people will appreciate because I'm sure I'm not alone. You know, I've, I found over the years that people are like, oh, I love that old Victoria magazine. That was my favorite. And I, you know, there's so finding your tribe, you know, finding the people who like the same things that you do and then making work that they will buy is helpful. So, you know, finding a magazine that was really popular um, shows that it has an audience. So something I like has an audience and then you can kind of connect those dots and make something that's impactful. You know, that's not so niche that, you know, only, <laughs> you know, five people in the world will like it. You know what I mean? I, it, you do have to tap into some universal truths in there somewhere to find your people. But I mean, it should definitely be, be in your wheelhouse where you feel really comfortable with it, your, what you're making and you'd hang it in your own home. And you'd give it as gifts willingly. You know, I wouldn't want to make anything that I wouldn't want to give to somebody else as a gift because that means I don't really like what I'm doing. Right, right. And I guess, you know, God makes us unique and with our own unique personalities and likes and dislikes. And like you said, I like that. We need to just find our tribe. 
Right. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, my husband's not really into flowers, but he humors me and he helps me garden. I have to I have to quantify this in saying he has been the very reluctant participant. But over the years, he has become more and more inclined to be out there weeding with me. And, you know, it's a a couple-y thing to do, you know, to to putter around your garden. So, you know, I'm very, but it was a, it was a process. So not everybody is... (laughs) You know, he, he's not going to hang flowers on his wall. You know, I'm really catering right. more to women, generally speaking. You know, there's there's a clientele that's more specific than broad, but you know what I mean. So that leads us to the next part. I know you've been expanding your gardens in the last couple of years, like a ton. <laughs> I'm so jealous. And that your gardens are a source of inspiration for much of your recent art. Can you talk about gardening? and how that became a passion that has ultimately merged with your photography. Absolutely. So about six years ago, we decided, no, maybe it's seven now, we decided to take what was farm ground and turn it into conservation prairie. And at that point, my husband was like, "Uh, do you want extra flowers added into the seed mix? And I was like, yes. Because, (laughs) of course, course. because I had been photographing, uh, you know, just whatever happened, weeds, leaves, birds and trees, whatever was available in like a, you know, normal neighborhood. And I had this opportunity. So we, we really jumped in head first. And so we have 80 acres of managed prairie, which is interceded, but it's a big, it's a massive job. I mean, you have to fight weeds and you have to, uh, sometimes you have to do things, you know, dig up plants, huge swaths just to eliminate an invasive species. And then you have to replant. It can be just very, time consuming, but it's a labor of love. And that the knowledge I gained in those years of working with these plants, I started to transfer that into like my home garden. Um, and, and I, I just learned to love the nature of, of petals and leaves and just observing these little things. I never knew what I didn't know anything about it before. And so I was a photographer of nature first, and then I started to re you know backwards engineer how I could make a garden that would be fun to shoot in and it's it, nothing is fast with gardening you know like you plant something this year and then maybe two years later it'll be blooming I mean that's the way it is with peonies I'm on my third year with peonies and now they're blooming finally but you know the first two years I do nothing so it's it's very it teaches you patience and and problem solving and uh, a lot of prayer like like you just get sad like something gets hailed on or gets in in, you know there's just there's a lot of faith that goes into planting plants (laughs) you know I mean like please rain in a garden setting it's easier but you know with 80 acres it's like if it just burns up because you have a a drought like we did last year you're just watching all your stuff die it's it's a process and yeah yeah I don't think I can put any more flowers in my house I have two greenhouses (laughs) and my my husband says if I steal any more grass from him (laughs) <laughs> there's going to be consequences. So, you know, he has like this little tiny, like patio sized thing of grass that's left. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, hey, less to mow, right? Although taking care of 80 acres has got to be a big job, I can imagine. It is. You're out there on a four wheeler spot treat. And for, you know, every spring we're out there with a four wheeler spot treating Canadian thistle, which is the invasive poison in my life so we're trying to like kill this one and not kill the echinacea next to it you know it's just it's a process 
definitely. I see it as like a form gardening is a form of visual art too because you're choosing what you want where um how you want it to look in the end although you're always battling to make it actually look like that <laughs> yes one of my favorite books is um the no maintenance garden by roy diblick and he is amazing because he teaches you about plants that are pretty hardy and and forgiving and not you know and it just it's it's like a great primer on getting gardening for for photography he doesn't do I mean it's not about photography but he's all about relationships of plants which make beautiful pictures <laughs> if they're if, yeah. if if plants go together and like to live together they probably will look beautiful together photographed so there's a tip for yeah. anybody wanting to get I started yeah I'm gonna have to go back in the podcast and write it down <laughs> Okay, so now we come to our audience uh, questions. I asked on Instagram and the Creative Photography Network for some audience questions. <laughs> and they're so good. I love these questions. The first one comes from Katrina Steele. She asks, she'd like to know if there are any specific books you've appreciated that deal with the intersection of the arts and faith. Yes, there are two. Um, both of them are, you know, they're, they're interesting reads. One is called God is at Eye Level, Photography as a Healing Art by Jan Phillips. And I read this book and it really, um, there were bits of it that just jumped out at me. N neither of the books I'm going to share are just like cover to cover, like everything I agree with. Um, because when you intersect faith with art, I mean, there's, everybody has a philosophy, but there were just gems in there that really jumped out at me. And the God is at eye level book really showed me how we can communicate through our images. And, mm. and yeah, so that was a good one. And then another one is called eyes of the heart. Photography is a Christian contemplative practice. Um, and this one is a little bit different. Um, Again, there were little nuggets that jumped out at me all through it. I'm not exactly sure what her faith is. Like it's a different kind. Of, I don't know. It was it's Christian, but it was. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure if it was like a. I'm not sure. Anyway, um, but it was it was, it was. There were some really interesting, poignant thoughts in there that that I gleaned from years. Ago. I read both of these books probably 2012, so it's been a long time. But I've referred back to them. They're on my Kindle. I, you know, I'll page through them and they, they just continually give me little nuggets that I latch on to. That's great. I love that. Definitely going to have to go check both those out. Next, we have Pamela I, who asks, how has your faith helped you in starting and planning the direction for your new ventures, specifically for branching out from using what you've learned to teach others apart from working for clients. So a lot of this is my continual plea to God, show me what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, and my biggest problem, I guess, is being confident in where he's placing me is where I'm supposed to be, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. it, you know, it isn't always about money more often in my life. Historically, it's been about connection. It's not what I'm money I'm making. It's who I'm meeting. And I think that is something I have to be okay with. You know, 
I don't have to make the breadwinning income in my house. I, I have had periods of time where I've made an extraordinarily a lot of money. Um, but it's very, you know, hit or miss. And I, I think it's just that constant connection with God. Is this what I'm supposed to be doing right now? Am I following your plan for my life right now? If not, show me. <laughs> please. Um, and, and then just being brave because sometimes again, over and over again, it's not, uh, you know, I am, I'm a very reluctant public speaker. Uh, I terrified of it. Well, I'm terrified of it. Like like you have no idea maybe, but I, I lose sleep over it. I get nauseous. I like, I, I worry about it a lot, but every time I've had a speaking engagement, I've connected with somebody I know God put in my path for a reason. And unless I get in a plane and go to LA, I'm not going to meet him, you know? So that's, that's where it is. It's always just kind of coming back to, am I doing the right thing? And, you know, keeping, humble and and not letting success go to your head because seriously <laughs> Jesus is awesome at like tipping that bucket over <laughs> you know you're today gone tomorrow <laughs> right um you know and and just just like it's a it's a ministry whether mm-hmm. you view it as that technically or not you know we're walking vessels of Jesus so we're supposed to present that and it's it's a challenge so I guess I hope that answers the question but just always coming back to am I doing the right thing and being okay with it not always being financially lucrative because that may not be the point it might be you know there's been flushes of money for no reason other than I think God was just being like you need to pay this off so here you go you know what I mean (laughs) yeah yeah that's great yeah I think sometimes it's like life changes and the situations you're in are so different and that can drive different. That's how I felt recently. Like, okay, Lord, I'm just going to take one step in front of the other and see where you're leading me in this moment. It's so hard sometimes. Leading is the most important thing. I think whenever I've tried to force something, it's failed. And, and so I tend to just sort of ride the wave, you know, and not push things, not be super driven because, I mean, I, I keep busy, but the more I drive toward a goal, unless I'm 100% sure that that's the goal that Jesus has for me, it just, it ends up just dredging up even more trouble. So yes. being patient and waiting, <laughs> still small voice. Yeah. So good. Yes. Always backs to that, right? Our last question is from our mutual friend, Heather Wilson. Hi, Heather, if you're listening. Yes, hi, Heather. I have always wondered how to use photography as a way to share the gospel or glorify God. Do you have any thoughts on that? And I am with Heather on this one. I think about this a lot. Well, I think that, you know, what strikes me is when someone says, you know, you might be the only Jesus that someone ever sees, right? Mm -hmm. And it isn't always about just regurgitating or throwing up the entire gospel on somebody, you know, because they may not be ready for the whole thing and they may not be ready for it all. So just constantly, again, being hooked up to Jesus and constantly repenting for when, like I have to, I get frustrated with Instagram. I get frustrated and I have to repent and say, I'm sorry that something so little is driving me crazy. And, you know, it isn't about likes. It isn't about this. It's about you, Jesus. What am I supposed to be doing? Who am I supposed to be connecting with? And 
just putting yourself out there. I think when it comes to reaching people for Jesus through photography, they can tell. I mean, even if you're not writing things on your images, Bible passages, even if you're not, you know, speaking in terms of faith all the time, they can sense it on you. Like they just, they just know. And I've had so many people, you know, private message me and say, are you a Christian? Cause I kind of could, I feel like you are. And that really warms my heart because I, I'm not super, you know, hit people over the head with it, but I'm much better at the kitchen table with somebody, you know, mm-hmm. metaphorically speaking. I'd rather call you up on the phone and have a three hour conversation with you um, than hash something out on Facebook, you know? Yeah, sure. So I want to leave the door open for people to, to be, I want to be approachable, you know? And, and I think that is probably the, the, the gateway, you know, because those relationships or whatever, you know, however Jesus wants you to reach people, he'll let you know and he'll bring those people to you. And I think it's just that's just being being open to it and then constantly living, living, living the repented life, you know, um, so that the doors don't close. It's really hard in, in a visually driven industry to not get into depression about comparison, not to get, you know, inflated if you're popular for a minute. There's always that ebb and flow and to trying to stay below or above it all and focus on the bigger picture. Because every picture, like Heather's an amazing photographer. You know, she shares her children and she's so talented. And I think that her ministry is just, people are going to connect to you mm-hmm. through your pictures and then however that blossoms after that is in God's hands. But just being submitted to him. Definitely. And there is a light in, like I can see the light in Heather's photography and in yours. You know, um, makes me think of that Sarah Groves song um, where she's saying, I am the moon, or I am, yeah, I'm the moon, he's the sun. Basically, I'm saying it all wrong, but... Basically, we reflect his glory and in what we do when we are living for him. And You just gave me chills because that's exactly the words I couldn't think of. We're like a reflection. And, yes. and, and I guess that's why I focus on the repented life because sometimes you feel like a really like muddy reflection, you know, because um, we're human. But, mm-hmm. and, you know, in the world today, there's a lot of people that say, I don't want to see God because everybody's hypocritical. And, 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 and it, there, it's true to an extent. I mean, you can go to any church and find hypocritical people. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just about it's waking up the next morning and say, I'm going to try harder today to be a better reflection. And right. it's a daily He's thing. Like, yes. <laughs> yep. We're not perfected. That's part of the gospel, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, I guess we'll wrap it up, but I'd love for you to tell us more about your uh, most recent courses and the Creative Photography Network. How should people join the network and benefit from your wonderful community and generous tutorials, tips, and workshops there? And it is, she is very generous on the network. There are so many beautiful courses that you offer for free, so many tips and um, tutorials. I love it there. Ah, I thank you. Yeah, it's the creative photography network.com. So just creative photography network.com. And there's a couple ways you can join. You can join for free, which is like the lobby plan. It, there's hundreds of tutorials available in that 
that plan. And then there's also a self-study method course area where you pay monthly. Some people come in for a month, leave for a month, come back. It's it's very flexible. And it it's a self-study bank of education. So it's more foundational things. Um, I also run what I call live courses, where I'll take a course from the membership area, the self-study area, and I'll do it live. I, I haven't done one of those in a while, but um, the Art of Observation or the Observant Photographer is one. Uh, visual Voice is another one that I like to do because it people like hands-on. They want to have personalized feedback. They want to have daily interaction. So that's what those are, and that's available, always announced on the network there. If you're a, a free member, you'll hear about all of that. Uh, yeah, it's a great place. I, I, I'm constantly coming up with new things to add to it. I'm open to suggestions. Uh, we just have a good time. We're doing a free class right now, Photography in Bloom, where we're, we're studying art and interpret, interpreting it uh, as photographs. Uh, so I hope to do more of that as well. Again, open to ideas that people want to uh, touch on or learn about. Yep, so that's, that's where you can find me. Also, I have carolinejensen.com where I sell art. Uh, and I also have links to the network there. So either one. Awesome. Yeah, it's a great community there too. Wonderful people in that group. I love it. Yeah. I Yeah. Very normal people, you know, very. And it's yeah. not like a, there, there's no algorithm. It's not share every day. I'm cool if you come in like once a month and say, hey, this is what I've been up to. Very relaxed. Yes. Very genuine. Yeah, I love it. So if um, listeners have further questions for you or would like to learn more about your work, would they go to the carolinejensen.com website? They can message me directly there. There's a contact me. Otherwise, you can always become a member at the Creative Photography Network um, and message me directly there as well. It's Either one is fine. Well, great. It's been so fun chatting, catching up again. I haven't seen your face in so long. I love it. Kindred spirits have to get together more often, I think. Yes, I agree. I wish we lived closer. Oh, we've got to do we've got to do a shoot at one of the other houses at some point. Yes. <laughs> that would be amazing. Well, thanks so much for doing this, Caroline. I really appreciate it. It's been great. It has been amazing. I'm thank you so much for having me. I feel really blessed that I got to hang out with you. And I feel really blessed to hear all your thoughts. This is wonderful. I love it. <laughs>